I want to welcome everybody to Life Unedited Working Women. I am the host, Elisa McCabe. I'm the owner at First Steps Financial, and I'd like to welcome you to our episode today. We have Dr. Kim Park with us, and I'm so happy she's here. Each week, we meet a new boss woman, and we gain perspectives and stories and inspiration. And if you haven't joined us before, welcome and thanks for everyone returning. I know we have Mindy's here and Gina's here. I saw you guys sneak in and take a seat. And this is recorded live. So if you're here with us on Zoom, feel free to put questions in the chat. And otherwise, you can watch us later on repeat because this will be available on Facebook, on Smart Boss Media, and on First Steps Financial's Facebook page. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Dr. Kim Park, and I have to tell you a little bit about her because her and I talked a while ago, and she is a board-certified family medicine physician and has practiced medicine in Philadelphia since 1996. And she graduated from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, where she received her DO, and she now practices with a foundational belief in the osteo medicine traditions of hands-on diagnostic and therapeutic science. And I love that because it's a little different than a traditional doctor. In 2019, you founded Medicom PA, a medical practice dedicated to helping patients benefit from the new and evolving treatments that are now available in Pennsylvania's compassionate medical marijuana legislation. I am going to tell everybody again who our amazing guest is Dr. Kim Park. She is a board-certified family medicine physician, and she's practiced medicine in Philadelphia since 1996. She graduated from Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine, where she received her DO, and she founded in 2019 Medicom PA, a medical practice which is dedicated to helping patients benefit from the new and evolving treatments of medical marijuana. And also, Dr. Kim and I were talking before, and someone told me how wonderful you are. And I looked online. She has over 1,100 reviews. And do you know what her average is? Five out of five. That's huge. So, and the person who introduced us, Josh Irons, said that he was blown away at your kindness and compassion. Well, that's very nice to hear. You know, I try my best, you know. (laughs) Well, apparently you succeed. Mm -hmm. So, so I kind of want to start at the beginning with you. Like, how did you, so you worked in traditional medicine for many years. I did. Yeah. So I was right out of residency. I joined Crozier and was a family medicine doctor there for 17 years doing primary care and enjoying it. It was a little bit hectic with when the medical records started coming into play and you had to put everything and learn all that stuff and everything. And it was a very busy practice. I left there in 2013 and decided I wanted to do house calls because that was something that I truly loved about being a doctor. I did it in my residency, but not in my practice. And so, yeah, I did that for a number of years, about five years. And then decided that, well, I had the opportunity. I worked for a big organization and in their house call division, and they decided that they were going to 
do without the physicians and just have the nurse practitioners do the house calls. Mm -hmm. So they laid about me and uh, about four other doctors off, but they gave us a severance and they gave us, you know, time to figure out what we were going to do. And at that time, when I was working for that group, I was in charge of the educational part. So I would bring speakers in and I brought a speaker in to discuss medical marijuana And in listening to him, I thought, you know what, this is something I would benefit from because I'm a chronic pain patient. And, you know, so when they laid me off, I think it was in January or it was February, I decided that I would pursue that and see what that was all about. So I went ahead and got my medical marijuana card and wasn't really impressed on that whole process. So made the decision that I would become a certifying practice and not just certify and collect fees, but actually educate and care about these people and follow them in their journey with medical marijuana. Wow. And it's so new. I mean, there aren't huge amount of doctors that are out there doing this. And what, how does that work? Like, is there only certain types of ailments? Like what... So in Pennsylvania, there are 23 qualifying conditions. The most common ones are chronic pain and anxiety, PTSD, but MS is part of that. If you've had a stroke, that's part of it. You know, under the category of chronic pain comes a lot of different ailments, Parkinson's. Well, Parkinson's is is also one of the qualifying conditions. Wow. And it goes on and on. Multiple sclerosis, you know, even autism. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. So yeah. do they come see you first? So what happens? They- yeah. So what happens is they decide that, you know, they want to go down this path or they see their doctor and their doctor might recommend it, you know? Okay. So if they have one of the 23 qualifying conditions, they would go on to PA medical marijuana, no, PA medical marijuana's registry and register as a patient. And then they would make an appointment with me and they would need to bring with them or to send us some records that just uh, say what their qualifying condition is, you know, okay. I'm not allowed to diagnose that. I'm only allowed to certify. So I would review that and we would, right now we're doing telephonic medicine. We're not doing in, in person because of the pandemic. So they would go on onto our website, schedule an appointment They would get an email from our office manager, who's wonderful, Rhonda Craven, and she would explain all the steps in case they didn't know all the steps, because that often happens. They're not sure they just make the appointment. And she would make sure that everything, she goes beyond, you know, what she needs to do. She will actually register patients if they're uncomfortable with it or don't know how to do it. So, you know, after we gather all that information, then it's just a phone call where I call them and discuss with them their history and their condition that they have and, you know, what their treatment has been like and what they're doing now. And then after I get all that information, decide that they are a candidate, I'll go ahead and certify them. And then I educate. So I ask them, you know, what's their knowledge of medical marijuana? And even if they say they know, then I'll ask them a a couple of questions. And from that, I can tell that they don't know as much as they should going into it. What's the one thing that you, that consistently nobody knows? Like when you say, do you know this? Or is there something 
that you so, find so they like, don't, you know, it's funny. They don't know what terpenes are, you know, and I don't know what that is either. Are. What is it? Right. Right. So they are like an essential oil that are part of the marijuana plant that oh. in nature, they're protective. When you smell marijuana, you're smelling terpenes. And they're very important to know about because okay. they are medicinal. And really, yeah. So even just the basic components of medical marijuana, pretty much everybody thinks of just THC. Yeah, and they don't really think of CBD or terpenes. So it's important to you know introduce that to them. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing I go through is you know what's at the dispensary because a lot of people will get their medical card and just use cartridges, you know, and just vaporize. And, you know, to me, they're missing out if they're doing that because the other forms that they have can give you longer lasting relief, you know, so we go through that. And then after, do you think think they don't go to the dispensary because it's intimidating or they just, no, or is there a stigma, do you think, or like, no, they pretty much, you know, will go to the dispensary. No, it's, In Pennsylvania, you know, the way that it's set up, physicians can certify and they don't really have to say anything to the patient about what medical marijuana is about. What they'll do is they'll certify and then that patient will get their medical card in the mail after they pay the state for the card. And then they're at that point, they go to the dispensary. Every dispensary has a pharmacist. Okay. It is a recommendation that the first time you go, you sit down and you talk to them about it. That doesn't always happen, you know? So what we do is we, after our certification, we actually send them an email with links, you know, that are educational. So I always, when I certify, encourage them to talk to the pharmacist because they're going to get more information that way. Right. People are intimidated by the dispensaries because, you know, there's still that stigma, you know, that it's wrong or it's, you know, illegal or whatever, you know, so. It's hard to get past that. I mean, when mm -hmm. we were kids, you know, there was reefer madness and like there was all kinds of things that it was, you know, bad. And now they're realizing that it definitely has some virtues and can be used to help people with chronic pain. I don't know if endometriosis is on that list. Is it on it that is. list? That's chronic pelvic pain. So that would count. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, because I belong to an endometriosis support group and the things that these women are suffering through is ridiculous. And a lot of them do say that the CBD helps, that there's different things that they've tried. And you can get, or you can make your own suppositories and use those. That's what I was just reading about that. They said that that is actually one of the most effective ways to use it. Yeah. It's crazy. Thank God for people like you that are educating people on it and being people get over that because I do think there's a still a level of intimidation around it. Oh, definitely. Yeah, there is. A lot of times when I will meet a person who has already had their certification, they need a recertification, I'll find out that, you know, they're just using it at night, you know, even though they have chronic pain during the day, because, you know, they're, I think, a little bit embarrassed, you know, so they just use it to go to sleep at night. And, you know, sometimes that's effective enough, you know, you know, if people get a good night's sleep, that's all they need. But, you know, there are so many other ways that you could use it to give you round the clock, you know, relief of whatever symptoms you have that, you know, I think it's important for people to understand that from the get go. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. It sounds like you give so much more information than, you know, than you have to do, but it's important. Do you have, is there a difference of men and women? Like, do you have more men than women coming in for medical <laughs> marijuana or is it even, or what are you saying? Pretty even, I would say oh. it's even. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, if I had to guess, I would think that women would use it less. Just, I don't know. The intimidation factor is big. Right. You know, you'd be surprised. There are a lot of teachers and a lot of nurses that I certify, both really? male and female. Mm-hmm. I'd say those are like two of the big populations. Yeah. Well, over the past years, I can see. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that the stress that nurses have been under is ridiculous. Right. Actually, everyone in the medical community. Right. So mm-hmm. that. So that's really interesting. So you decided to start your own shop and it sounds like actually your staff was part of one of your reviews and said that everyone that you worked with was amazing. So it sounds like you attract you attract the right people, the people who have the same feelings that you do and have the same giver attitude. So yeah, Rhonda was a medical marijuana patient and she and I had a friend in common and she asked that friend if they, you know, introduce us, which they did. And, you know, she's been phenomenal, you know? Yeah. She gets a lot of reviews, you know, and sometimes they think she's the doctor, which is fine. <laughs> you know? She's great. Mm-hmm. That's really good. So I mean, you, this is really a brave and risk taking thing that you've done. I mean, I don't know if you think that way, but I'm looking at it like you really stepped outside of traditional medicine and really even doing the house calls. I think that's very different. Most doctors don't do house calls. No, they don't. It's really an underserved population, you know, people who can't get out, you know, and get the proper care. Yeah, very near and dear to my heart for sure. And I love that. I mean, how about the people that don't want to go out? I don't want to go out. I would love to have the doctor come to my house. That would be the best. I'd be like, come visit everyone. Right. Else. <laughs> and when I started this practice, I actually did house calls for people who, you know, were, you know, quadriplegic. They couldn't get out of the house, you know, or they were, you know, in stage, whatever, you know. So, yeah, I still carried that through. And now, fortunately, you know, we can do it over the phone. So yeah. that's not an issue. But I, you know, I was, like I said, a chronic pain patient. And I was on a narcotic for years, just at oh. night, you know. And I was also on Adderall because I had focus issues. And when I started the medical marijuana within a week, I was off both, you know. Yeah, I was off both and never went back. And that, I think, has impressed me more than anything, you know, my own personal experiences. Wow. Mm -hmm. I love that because I know Adderall is such an issue for younger kids. Like when they start to use it, you know, it can cause problems for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you have this amazing career that you've had. Is there a woman or an event that shaped or a person doesn't have to be a woman that shaped your views on women that, you know, really made you decide to be able to go in this direction or thought of women in a different way or? You know, I had a lot of experience. Well, growing up, growing up, there was a pretty tragic event that happened when I was 10 years old. I was in a car accident. My grandparents were killed in it and I was unable to walk for about six months. So during that period, I had a lot of attention from 
physical therapist, from the nuns. I went to a Catholic school and I couldn't go back to school that fall. It happened the day after school let out in 1971, this accident. And so when I started uh, the school year in the fall, they had sent a tutor to help me to, you know, to keep up with all my studies and everything. And she was very influential. She was there Monday through Friday, you know, teaching me. And so when I went back to school, which was in January, you know, I was right up to speed. So that was impressive to me. The nuns were very impressive to me. My mom was very much influential. As far as going to medical school, though, I think that all came about because of the experience of being injured, you know, and having trauma in my life and, you know, being healed, you know, from, you know, anyway, from, you know, just physicians who were there. The person who did surgery on me, I had broken my leg, was a general surgeon who was just moonlighting in the ER. And he, me back together, you know, which was amazing. You know, he did. And you had to heal emotionally and physically from this. I did. And you, it sounds like you had great people around you. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like it was a group of women too. I mean, your mom and the nuns and, and your tutor really supporting you through all this. Right. And as far as, you know, being a physician, when I was in my residency, I was pregnant with my first and needed to find an OBGYN. And I found this woman, her name is Lydia Slavish. I'll just, you know, put her out there because she's still my OBGYN. (laughs) She was, you know, she had her own practice. It was just her. And I was an older mom. I was in my thirties and nervous, you know, and she just, you know, really calmed me, you know, every step of the way. Whether it was like a night or a weekend, she was always there for me. She was very kind and caring. And I always thought that's the kind of doctor I want to be, you know, for sure. Awesome. I think it's important to have people who are role models and mentors as you go about your career Mm -hmm. because it really does help you. Yeah. So, what challenges did you face as? So, yesterday was National Doctors' Day and Mm -hmm. happy Doctors' Day to you. And thank you. I'm sure there's flowers and cards everywhere in your office. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we celebrate doctors enough. I really don't. And there's a Facebook group or page called A Mighty Girl. And they're always celebrating things for women. And they posted an, a great picture yesterday for National Doctors' Day. And, and what they did is they posted a picture of a Japanese doctor, a... Indian doctor and a Syrian doctor, and they're all women. And it was from 1885. Mm-hmm. And Pennsylvania, the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania, right? The Medical College of Pennsylvania mm-hmm. was the first place to allow women into medical school. And people mm-hmm. all over the world flocked there. And thank God's gotten better since then. Yeah. But you must have experienced, you know, things differently as a woman. Was there anything? Any struggles that you had being a woman in medical school and, you know, going into practice? There were, you know, some personality clashes, I would say, with male physicians, you know, during my training, you know, where they, I think they, you know, were trying to be tough, you know, trying to get your, you know, get you to be a little more 
assertive, you know, but their ways of doing it were not, you know, very kind. So yeah, I did have struggles, you know, with pretty much male physicians, you know, during my training and everything. But at the same time, I had wonderful male physicians that I worked with as well. So no, I didn't really see, fortunately, you know, any big discrepancies, you know, between, you know, yeah, I got called nurse all the time, which was fine, you know, and, and I am honored, you know, to be called a nurse. I know, uh, but it's terrible that they assume that's and the I, thing. I've been, you know what, I have been guilty of that myself, you know, where mm-hmm. people will talk about their doctor and I would say he, you know, so <laughs> I, I've done that too, you know, it, it's just something you're raised with, you know. I know. Isn't that funny? Because it is, it's one of those things. Like if I said engineer, you think it's a man, right? Because exactly. that's what we think. Yeah. Someone in our audience wants to know if your doctor, your OBGYN doctor is accepting new patients. <laughs> she is in a large group. I saw that question right there. I have no idea. She's at Chester County OBGYN. There you go. And, so you yeah, can look they're, up. They're in Kennett, Westchester, and I'm not sure where else. I think downtown. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So the other question that I love to ask is, are you reading or watching anything? Are you binging on Netflix or are you reading any good books or is there anything that is interesting to you outside of work? Not lately. You know, I have, I I do binge on Netflix. I do. I have been watching a lot of the news, like a lot of people have, you know, it's hard to get away from. It really is. But we were discussing, I was with a group of women and we were discussing Ukraine and the one thing that we all had in common about Ukraine, every single one of us had cried about it. Yeah. Because, but it's interesting because we've been exposed to other, you know, other horrible things. But for some reason, this war in Ukraine is really, it's touching our hearts and it's become emotional for us. Yeah. And I, I think I have two sons that are, you know, in that age group where they could be drafted and, you know, that's what I think of all those, you know, soldiers, you know, oh. there were, you know, wrong reasons. It's horrible. You yeah. Know? Far away from home and following rules from far away. And even the ones who are defending their, you know, defending their towns and their country. And mm-hmm. yeah, well, we're going to find you a good series on Netflix to watch to keep your mind off of that. You know what? It's so funny because I do watch them. And, but then if you ask me what they were, I forget their name, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, but I do. And my son, Eddie is, you know, a big one for, you know, recommending series. Mm-hmm. And when he does come around, we usually watch them together, which is great. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. I just finished up the good place. And that was, I loved it because there was no cursing. You can't curse in heaven. You can oh, say wow. working and you can say <laughs> all these other things, but you can't curse. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being with us. I really enjoyed talking with you today. And I am so impressed that you struck out and are working with medical marijuana. And we're lucky that you're there because we can come see you now and feel really comfortable about doing something that might be scary for us. I do want to say in the two and a half years that I've been doing this, or no, I guess it's been almost three years. Yeah. That it's amazing how many people are able to feel better. You know, that's a big thing. They feel better. A lot of times they can go off their medications, you know, the ones that they absolutely, you know, don't need. And, you know, I hear it all the time that it's life-changing. So I have to say that, you know, 
this was definitely something that I did right. You know, as far as, you know, being a physician, you know, I spent years prescribing medications for people and I see doctors, you know, scrambling and throwing all kinds of stuff at people when, you know, a simple plant could really be the answer, you know? How great. How great is that? I love that. Well, thank you so much. And thank you everyone for being here for our live show. And thank you to our producer, Smart Boss Media. Be sure to check out their webpage at smartboss.media or leave a comment on Facebook or Instagram. And thanks for everybody who's listening and responding to the episode. We love having you in our community. And if you haven't already, please register for the live webinar and the link will be in the comments. And we will see you every Thursday at lunchtime. And next time, our guest is going to be Meg Heim. She is the founder and CEO of Heim Global Consulting, where she provides consulting leadership in the venture capital and biotech space. And she is a leader, strategic thinker, and an innovator. And I can't wait for you to meet her. Thanks, everybody. Great seeing you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I I really appreciate it. You are most welcome. I feel like I got so much education and I feel inspired. Well, thank you. Thanks for listening to Life Unedited, Working Women, a production of Smart Boss Media. We'd love to hear from you. And we'd like even more to help your business grow. If you have any questions or want to contact any of the folks on this podcast, you can just email us at info at smartboss.media. Also at smartboss.media, you'll find any resources and links that go along with this podcast. And you can find links to other podcasts and resources for entrepreneurs and learn how Smart Boss Media can help you get your business podcast launched and listened to like this one is. It's your one stop for information to help you listen, create, and thrive as an entrepreneur. Visit smartboss.media.